Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Go grab your Bible, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the last half of the last verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and then the first verse, 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 12. And then 1 Corinthians 14. While you're turning there, uh, let me just let me um, encourage you to do this. If you are a man, I would love for you to sign up to be a part of our men's group me app. We communicate. Um, we don't blow each other's phones up, but it's a great way to find fellowship with the men and, and connection with the men of this church. Uh, Mark, would you stand up so everybody can see? This is Mark Bradley. He's our men's ministry coordinator. Um, and Mark, if you don't mind, be out in the lobby today. If you are not a part of the men's app uh, or the men's text group, would you ask him how to sign up today? Um, I'm going to be putting on there this afternoon, I'm putting on information about a men's uh, event that's coming up in our community that we've been invited to be a part of. So I don't want you to miss that. So men, go ahead and sign up for uh, for the men's app, and that will be a great way to get that information. Uh, Heather uh, Pearson is over here. Heather, wave. Uh, ladies, If we uh, there's also one for ladies. So if you're not a part of uh, the ladies text group, the group me app, then see Heather, and Heather will tell you how to get signed up for that. Okay? 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, verse 31, the last half of this verse says this. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. Now let me show you a way of life that's best of all. And then the first verse of chapter 14 says this. The first, the first sentence of that verse says, Let love be your highest goal. Let love be your highest goal. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, uh, for your presence. Thank you for the chance to, uh, to worship you today. As we get into your word, I pray that you'd help us to hear your voice from the written word. And I pray that you'd help us to align our lives to that word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I will not ask you if you remember this, if you're old enough to remember this, but in the 1980s, a man named Robin Leach became one of the most recognizable personalities of his day. His distinctive voice narrated and hosted a show called what, people? I am so proud of y'all that y'all didn't do it in your best Robin Leach voice. It was Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. He's, uh, that was really bad, but that was really a lot of fun. Um, he was a, a, a British guy and had the most distinctive voice. If you fast forward to, you're like, John, that's such ancient history. Well, listen, fast forward to 2023, and now there's not just a show. There are like entire channels dedicated to the lifestyles of the rich and famous. Back then, it was Robin 
who got, at, we were friends, Robin, we called, we called him Robin in school, right? Um, Robin who got access to the lavish lifestyles of those whose wealth and notoriety uh, fascinated the viewers and caused them to tune in each week. It was really fascinating to like regular people um, like us to, to, to see how these people lived, the opulence of their homes, the lavishness of the parties they threw, uh, even the extravagance and generosity of the gifts that they gave to each other pulled us in week after week. It's important to, uh, to note that these people did not live ordinary lives like us in ordinary houses, driving ordinary cars, and then suddenly they did rich things. They didn't work a nine to five and then like on the way home stop and give a car away to somebody who needed it. The key was in the name of the show, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. They didn't do rich and famous things. They were rich and famous. Their wealth and their fame defined their existence. It carved out for them a lifestyle. They were not like everybody else. That's what made them fascinating to watch. That's what drew people to them. They lived a lifestyle that was rooted in something entirely different from almost everybody else's existence. And now here's why this matters, not just strolling down memory lane here. The scripture we just read uh, from the end of chapter 12 is directly before, as a matter of fact, it introduces chapter 15, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, which is commonly referred to as the love chapter. And we're going to read from that in just a minute. But I want you to note what Paul says about it as he introduces it. He says, let me show you a way of life that's best of all. And then he spends the next 13 verses of chapter 13 talking about love. And then the first verse of the next chapter, chapter 14, says, let love be your highest goal. When you put all this together, it's clear that what Paul is describing is not believers doing loving things. He's describing a lifestyle of love. God is calling us, each of us who are believers, he's calling us to a lifestyle of love that should be the highest goal of every believer. It should define everything that you do. It it should make you different. It should draw people to you. Listen, the call of God on us is not to just occasionally do loving things. Bob Goff says it this way in his book called Everybody Always. He says it this way, the call of God is not to to be loving. The call is to become love. The call of God is not to be loving. The call of God on our lives is for us to become love. And that makes sense, right? If, if Jesus is God and God is love, then, then becoming more like Jesus should be about becoming love. Jesus didn't just do loving things. He was love. The loving things that he did in his time here on the earth flowed from who he was on the inside. Everybody okay? All right, I know this is kind of a lot in an introduction, but 
Let's, let's kind of dive in and see this. So, so Diaz, uh, Cindy Diaz spoke for me last week, and she did a fantastic job. So thank you, Cindy, which I never call her Cindy. Uh, her last name is Diaz, but I've redneckified that for the last 10 years, and I call her Diaz. Okay? So that's who she is. I just want you to know. So Diaz really set this up last week when she said everything we do is a, as a believer is a byproduct of our union. You unite with love, you become love, and then you operate in and from that love that's inside of you. The lifestyle of a rich person is defined by their wealth. The lifestyle of a believer should be defined by God's love. So the message today, and what I want us to talk about for a few minutes, is the lifestyle of love. The lifestyle of love. This is part of the Love of God series which apparently is continuing, okay? Uh, so you say, John, listen, from what I know about following Jesus, um, it's all about rules and laws. Now, ordinarily, I would, con- I would correct you and tell you that following Jesus is not about religion, it's about relationship. But today, I'm just going to go with it, okay? I'm just going to let that slide, and I'm going to say there actually is a rule and a law that should govern how you follow Jesus. The golden rule and the royal law. That's the rule and the law. The golden rule, the royal law. Let me show it to you. James chapter 2 and then in Matthew chapter 7. James chapter 2 said, Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in scriptures. Did you know there was a, a royal law? And it says, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the royal law. Now, I want to show you Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that's taught in the law and the prophets. That's the golden rule and the royal law. These two scriptures are clearly related. They're related like this. You treat people like you want to be treated because you love people like you love yourself. You treat people like you want to be treated because you love people like you love yourself. Your love for yourself is rooted in the knowledge that God loves you, period. That you aren't worthy of his love. You're worthy by his love. You're worthy because of his love. His love makes you worthy. So if you're worthy by his love and God loves everybody, then that means everybody you meet is worthy of that love too. It's not about you. It's not about them. It's not about who you are or what you've done or who they are or what they've done. It's about who God is and what God did for us because of his love. So that changes everything. If you will allow that knowledge to permeate who you are on the inside, then following that one law and that one rule will lead you to becoming love. You'll be a pure reflection of the light and the love of Christ. Now, let's look at what the love of Christ looks like. We've done several weeks of this series on the love of God. We probably should see what that love looks like. So this is what Paul was talking about when he said this should be your lifestyle. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. It says this, love is patient and kind Love is not jealous or boastful 
or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable, not even in the mornings, apparently. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Love is always hopeful, and love endures through every circumstance. Now, that's a mouthful, isn't it? A couple things I just want to point out from this. First of all, you say, John, what's the big deal about the distinction between being loving and being love? Why can't I just be loving and not worry about becoming love? Isn't it enough that I just do the right things? Well, the difference between being loving and becoming love is integrity. It's integrity. Here's what I mean. Loving things from a person who is love or is becoming love, that just makes sense. It's pure. It's honest. It's believable. It's trustworthy. Loving things from a person who is not love is manipulative. It's a mechanism of deceit and control. Humble, I mean, not, not humble, horrible, abusive, controlling people can very frequently be very patient with people. Hard and harsh people can very frequently do gentle and kind things for people. Why? Because there's an end game. And the end is not love. The end is control and deception and manipulation and all of that. But none of these things can be trusted from these people because they're not from a genuine place. They're, see, Do you agree with me? There's just something slimy. There's just something. That's not a spiritual word. That's not in the strongest concordance, but you know what I'm saying. There's just something slimy and offensive about loving things from a person who's not love. Do you ever wonder why more people, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of churches, a lot of ministries who do great outreaches to help meet people's physical needs uh, or medical needs or whatever. There are lots and lots of outreaches from Christians and, and Christian organizations to help meet people's needs who aren't saved. Do you wonder why more people aren't saved at those events? Why more, more people aren't drawn to Christ through those outreaches? I think this is the key, that sometimes it's because they're done from an insincere place. Maybe they're only doing it because Jesus commanded that we feed the hungry and clothe the naked. Did you know you can give somebody a sandwich without loving them? Y'all okay? That wasn't a hard question. You can give somebody a sandwich and not care anything about them. Happens all the time. People do service projects. People fly all over the world to do missions work because it makes them feel good. There, there's often no thought given to the humanity and the dignity of the person they're supposed to be serving. It's entirely self-centered. You can give somebody clothes and judge them at the same time. Right? You can serve people and be rude to them. You can serve people and be irritable with them. You can make judgments about their lifestyles. 
You can make judgments about their choices, about the opportunities that you assume they had and should have taken. You can think how you'd never allow yourself to wind up in the spot where you would have to do the things they did. You understand the difference? These acts of service that we call them are not matching the motive. They're loving acts, but they're not done in love or from love, and that makes all the difference in the world. The things we do have to be grounded and rooted in the love of God. Earlier in chapter 13, you can read it for yourself, it says even operating spiritual gifts have to be done in love, from a place of love, and if they aren't, the Bible says they're useless, worthless, and annoying. (laughs) It's not about the what, it's about the why. We have to be love before we can give love. We have to be love before we can give love. Love has to flow from a lifestyle of loving God and loving others as we love ourselves. Now, here's the second thing about that passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 13. It says love's patient and kind and not easily angered, all those things. You read that and people really, they they get intimidated by that chapter because it just seems so unattainable. It's just impossible. You're just like, "Mm, yeah, that's good stuff, but I can't do that. Not, not consistently. Like I might, like an hour and a half, <laughs> I can be patient, kind, and long-suffering and all of that. But after that, it's like all bets are off. Let me help you with that. This kind of love seems unattainable to you because it is unattainable to you. It, 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 you don't think you can do it because you can't do it. How's that for inspiration this morning? You can't. This describes a very specific kind of love. The Greek word, and we've mentioned this a couple of times in the series, the Greek word that is translated in, in, in English as love is the word agape, and it's the divine love of God. The, guess, guess where the divine love of God comes from? God. And that's the only place. It's the only place you can get it. It only comes from God. You can't manufacture it on your own. Romans 5 says only the Holy Spirit can put the love of God in your heart. That's why you can't do it. Only God can do it. That's why we have to allow God's love to penetrate our hearts and create this lifestyle of love. You have to rest in his love. You build your life on in his love, and, and, and you receive his love, and then you give his love away. You can't do it on your own. And when you try, you're going to miss the mark every time. So what we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that we just read is the result. It's the fruit of a lifestyle of love. Listen, don't look at it. Don't read it as a checklist of things that you need to work on. Don't read it and just try to take inventory and see which of those things you have and which you don't have so you know what to work on. If you're living a lifestyle of love and your roots are deep into the love of Christ, the fruit of love will grow from the root of love. The fruit of love grows from the root of love. 
And the love of Christ will always manifest itself in all those ways. If I don't know how many descriptions there are in, in those three or four verses, but if there's ten, then all ten of those ways are going to express themselves if you're rooted in the love of God. It is, there's not ten different kinds of love. There's only one love of God, and it's going to express itself in all of those ways. If you see some of that and not others, don't stress about it. Don't beat yourself up. Just don't, don't assume that you're a failure and you need to quit. Just pray about it. That's not a cliche. Like, for real, that's what you have to do, is pray about it. You, your love can be pure even if it's not yet complete. The way you allow the love of God to flow out of you can, can be incomplete but still be from the right place. The love of God will ripen and mature in you over time. But it takes time. It's important to note this, though. It won't get complete by trying to produce uh, one part of it. You can't just say, ah, i got to get some more patience. I'm going to be more patient. That's not how that works. Diaz called it last week. She called it striving. You don't do anything in Christ by striving, by trying harder. That's not how it works. If you trying harder could manufacture that stuff in your life, then Jesus wouldn't have needed to die. Revival comes through repentance. Success comes through surrender. Revival comes through repentance. Success comes through surrender, not through striving. You focus on getting deeper into his love, receiving his love for yourself, and then letting that love flow out of you into others. I also want you to consider this. Sometimes we see an imbalance in the fruit, right? That's what we talk about. Well, I'm kind of patient, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not this, I'm not that. I'm patient, but I'm not kind, or I don't give up, but I'm pretty easily angered. And so there's an imbalance sometimes. The imbalance may be an expression of uh, what we lack in the way we love God or in the way we love ourselves. Let me give you an example. If you're impatient with others, and I won't ask you to raise your hand, if you're impatient with others, it's likely because you're impatient with yourself too. Or people who are in our lives that we thought were loving towards us were impatient with us, so we're just doing what we saw done to us. Or maybe we think God is mad and frustrated and impatient with us. And so that gets reflected in the way we see ourselves and it gets projected onto other people. We get frustrated because we think God's frustrated with them and with us too. Or maybe we're impatient with God, thinking if he really loved me, he'd be moving faster or he'd be doing more than he's doing. Trying harder to be patient is only going to lead to more frustration. Get down to the root and remove the blockage. Remove the tumor. Remove that growth of lies that's polluting the pure flow of God's love for us. Again, it's not going to come from striving. It's going to come from repentance and surrender. 
Now, I'm going to go out on a limb. You're going to be so impressed with my spiritual insight. I'm going to go out on a limb and just say, I bet some of you have some challenging people in your life. You see that in the depth of the insight that, I, that the Lord has given me here? That, that there are people in your life that are hard to love. Please don't point, ladies. That's, that's just rude. Um, people that are hard to love. People who it'd be easier to strangle than to love. Right? You're like, I don't know, hug or homicide. I'm kind of, I'm not sure. Right? Here's the frustrating truth. God calls us to love them too. Not just the lovable, huggable, everybody. Here's the liberating truth, though. You can love them if you'll allow the love of God to create a lifestyle of love in you. But you'll never do it just trying to be more patient or more kind or less easily angered or whatever, whatever your, your particular battle is. I have dealt with a lot of people in my life. Um, right out of high school, six years in a grocery store, people get all kinds of jacked up about their food, people. I don't know if you knew that. Um, Ten years as a public school teacher and administrator, 31 years in ministry, ten of those as a youth pastor. That's why I have no hair. Um, eight different... Eight different foster kids in our home, uh, starting my fourth year as a school bus driver this year. Believe me when I tell you, not everybody is equally lovable. I thought somebody would give an amen to that. We had, and we hadn't even talked about our family members and, uh, <laughs> and other church members and ball team members and all the other things. There have been those people over the years in my life who have been very challenging for me to love or even like or be around, <laughs> okay? It, maybe it's a boss. Maybe it's an employee if you are the boss. Maybe it's a customer that you just you, like you hide in the back room when you see them come in. Maybe it's a fellow worker or employee. Maybe it's a student of yours. Maybe it's even one of the children who live in your house. Maybe it's even your spouse. Don't say amen. But you know at some point, the love bubble bursts, and the feelings that caused you to fall in love with that individual and get married are long gone. There are days that you wake up and go, what was I thinking? Right? The quirky little things that you just thought were so cute, just so adorable. Like you go, if you do that one more time, I'm going to strangle you while you sleep. Right? Like they are not cute anymore at all. In, in those situations, whatever, whatever situation where you find yourself with a person who is hard for you to love, you don't need to try to generate more kindness or more patience or more of this or more of that. It's not about striving. It's about surrender. It's about surrender. Here's what I have learned to do, and it, and it amazes me every time that how, how well this works. Here's what I've learned to do. Pray. And I'll say, God, you know I'm struggling with this person. Help me love them. Help me love them the way you love them. Help me love them the way you love me. Love them through me. 
Are y'all imagining yourself praying that over the person that's on your nerves? Do you, but do you sense, I'm not done with the prayer, but do you sense how the relationship's changing already? Like you can't pray, you can pray about people, but you can't pray for people and still be mad at them and still hate them. That's probably why Jesus said, pray for those who despitefully use you, right? You can't pray for them and still hate or still hold a grudge or, or be offended or all those things. There are times in prayer that I'll just say, I don't have what it takes to love them in and of myself. But, but they're your child just like I am. They deserve to be loved. And I want you to love them through me. I just don't know how. So God, through your Holy Spirit, put your love in my heart for them. Help me understand them. Help me get a sense of what they're going through. What makes them tick? What makes them so angry or so bitter or so hard to deal with? Help me bring healing to them through your love. Help me to stop looking at the things that annoy me and start seeing the things that draw me to them. God, change my heart towards them and love me through and love them through me. Do you think for one minute that that's a prayer that God won't answer? That's, that's like the whole point of Christianity, of our existence on this earth, to share his love and truth with people. So you pray the prayer, and then when you find, when those annoying and difficult people start being, well, annoying and difficult, just take a second, just take a breath, take two breaths, and instead of allowing yourself to react, allow God to respond. In the moment of your impatience, in the moment of your, uh, of your frustration, instead of allowing yourself to react, allow God to respond. I'm telling you, it makes all the difference in the world. It's always better to respond than to react, right? But, but if you'll allow God's love to show up instead of your limited human love, you're going to be amazed at what happens in your life. And in that relationship. And then you want to talk about spiritual gifts. When you start to operate in love for somebody, don't be surprised if God gives you the gift of wisdom to help somebody out of a complex situation. Don't be surprised if he gives you a gift of prophecy or discerning of spirits to give you insight into what's going on in their lives. Don't be surprised if he gives you a word of knowledge about their situation that you'd have no other way of knowing. You might be given one of the gifts of healings in order to heal the root of their behavior. Spiritual gifts without love are useless. But spiritual gifts because of love are exactly what God created them for. To build up, what does it say in 1 Corinthians 12? They're given to build up, to edify the body. And in 1 Corinthians 14, they're given to be assigned to the unbeliever. But they should operate out of a lifestyle of love. Not somebody trying to be spiritual, trying to look spiritual, but somebody just being loving because they are becoming love. People were uh, fascinated by the lifestyles of the rich and famous. They were drawn to them because they were different. 
They weren't just doing rich and famous stuff, man. They were rich and famous. Have you wondered, do you ever think about why did sinners keep showing up where Jesus went? Because he was love. He was love. And everything he did was because of the love that flowed from within him. And they'd never seen that before. When you start to operate out of love, when you start to become love, people are going to be drawn to you. Not religious people. They'll hate you. (laughs) But like regular people, they'll be drawn to you. You might be working with people um, who also claim to be a believer but haven't become love, people are going to be drawn to you and not them. And it's not a contest. It's just a, it's just a spiritual fact. They're going to be drawn to the love that's on the inside of you. You might be in a whole line of people giving out sandwiches, and they'll be drawn to you and not other people. They'll want to talk to you. They'll want to uh, open their lives up to you. They want to talk to you about spiritual matters. Why? Because God's love is flowing to you and through you. Paul said it in our opening scripture. Let me show you a way of life that's best of all. And that way of life, that lifestyle, is love. It's love. I want you to stand with me if you don't mind. So you're like, John, what, what am I supposed to do with this? What, what's, what's all this about? How do I respond to this. Uh, so I'll, this is the invitation today. And we're going to pray. And you can pray about anything you want to. If you want to come to this altar, you can pray about anything. All right? So I'm not limiting that. But if you're trying to respond to this, to this word today, straight out of the book, if you're trying to respond to it, then I want to invite you to surrender to the flow of love that the Holy Spirit provides. How do you do that? Tell God you want to become love. That's it. You don't have to pray some long King James prayer. You don't have to do these and thous. You just say, God, Lord, I want to become love like your love. Tell him that you want your roots to go down deep into his love and that you want his love to flow through you. Tell him you want to dig out the roots that that might be um, leading you into sin or leading you into disobedience or that might just be blocking the flow of love in, in your life and you want to get those things out of your life. That's how you respond today. Okay? Now, like I said, we're going we're gonna to pray and then they're going to sing a song and we're going to just spend a few holy moments in the presence of the Lord together. And then we'll be dismissed together in just a few minutes. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the chance to be in your house today. Thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord, that, uh, that you would help us to respond appropriately today. God, I pray over this house as a pastor of this church, I pray, Lord, that, that we become love. That this church is, is known to be a place where your love abounds. Where people can come and be real. And they know that they'll, that they'll meet the love of God in, in the reality of their existence. I pray, Lord, that we build relationships based on your love. And I pray, God, that when we reach out of the four walls of this place whether it's collectively in some sort of an outreach event or whether it's as we, each of us, go our separate ways. I pray, Lord, that as we reach out, that we reach out with your love flowing from us. 
Help us, Lord, to create uh, in us a lifestyle of love. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.